G'day everybody, Graham Kratz here and you're listening to Macca all around Australia. On Fossil Downs and Cane Grass Station in a million homes across the nation, they're tuning in Australia. Hey Macca, this is Paul, how you going? Good, thanks Paul. I saw your surfboat halfway across the Nullarbor Plain during the week when he was coming back from that competition. Oh, they were at Lawn. The surf rowers thing at uh, Lawn last week. You saw him towing the... Oh, isn't that good? You should have beeped them or something or said g'day. Well, it was funny because it's the middle of Nullarbor and I went, there's a surfboard. They must be expecting a, a bit of rain out here. <laughs> what are you carrying, Paul? <laughs> Just equipment back to Sydney. All right. You, you do that run often? Yeah, work for a, a nice young couple in Brisbane and do a, a Brisbane, Perth, Brisbane usually. Mate, it's, it's a big country, it's a great country, it, and, and like that girl said before about being around people, people make this country. Exactly. Good on you, Paul. Thanks, mate. See you, mate. Mate, just a quick one, just travelling back from Murrumbah back to Newcastle. You're talking about school food that you remember fondly. Real vanilla slices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now the one I liked the best was a salad roll with a sausage roll on it. We called it a Bruno. <laughs> And where was that at? Morris Brothers in Newcastle. It might have been a Catholic thing, I'm not real sure, but anyway. <laughs> Sunday morning. Yeah, Macker in the morning turns my week around. He picks me up when I feel down. Wait all week for Macker on a Sunday morning. There's Aussies out there doing things, raising money, pulling strings, helping make a place we're really proud of. Doesn't matter who you are. On Sunday morning, you're the star. You're all in Macca's green room on a Sunday morning. That's the story. I start my week with Macca on Sunday morning. Good morning. Welcome. 1300 700 is our number. MaccaTracks at gmail.com. A Bruno. That's why I said last week, the food at school was just the best. Primary school and high school, just the best. Pineapple donuts, lollies, Super Devon salads, you name it. The world was your oyster. We could go outside in the street when you're at high school and there was about seven or eight or nine shops, cake shops and fish and chip shops and all sorts of stuff, delis. It was just a cornucopia. The problem was getting money to afford that wonderful lifestyle. Pies and sausage trolls. 1300 in no particular order. This is from Michael House. Hey, mate, as a travelling tradie in tiling, I've been around Australia more than 10 times a year, the last year or two. I stay away from the cities. Yes, we are the lucky country. I'm in South Australia for the housing boom in Wyala, and Kalgoorlie is wanting me back. Don't pay any rent or power. All the country builders let us set up in self-contained vans, says Michael. Sounds like a good lifestyle. The two dogs and the cats as well, he said. From Mark Sampson on Taree and Taree bypassed. I was talking about towns and cities that have been bypassed over the last 30 years, I suppose, as the highways, mostly the M1 snakes its way through. And I often think, you know, they're probably not doing as well as maybe. But Maury rang a couple of weeks ago and I said, how's it doing? He says, oh, it's doing fine. Mark says... Please come and spend some time in Taree, Ian, and you'll soon realise how wrong this comment was. A perfect example, several motels that used to be used by the travelling public when the Pacific Highway was the main route north and south are now used as crisis accommodation. Wander around the town centre for an hour and you'll find hidden makeshift shanty-style homelessness in abundance. If this is doing fine, then I must be missing something. Enjoying the program, otherwise, it's Mark in Wingham. Thank you, Mark. 
You see, my thesis about all this is that country towns are the lifeblood of Australia. It's where the difference is bred. People from country towns have got a different attitude and they mingle with the rest of us. You'll find politicians from country towns and teachers from country towns. It's a different way of being brought up. You start to minimise country towns and some of these places that have been bypassed, I'm not sure how, for instance, Kempsey is doing, uh, Tare, that's up in the air, and Holbrook, down near the Victorian border where the submarine is. I'm not sure how they're doing, but I think thriving, healthy country towns are great for Australia. It's our character. Like it or lump it, our character. Big cities, Melbourne, Sydney, you know, great cities, but they're like cities everywhere else. And I'm not really sure about the bypassing thing. Sure, we all love to get from Melbourne to Sydney or Sydney to Brisbane straight away. You don't have to stop anywhere, zoom through. We've saved an hour and a half. But I think one of the nice things is country towns, but they've got to be thriving. You've got to have a good business centre and people choose country towns like, say, Tamworth, which are big, big enough to be big, maybe too big for some. I don't know how towns like, say, Benalla and Wang and Euroa and Seymour, they're all bypassed, but many years ago, and I suppose they've found their feet and they've found their niche. We lose country towns and the vibrancy of them to our regret, I think. They're our little gems. We should look after them. Morning, Macca. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. It's Dan. I'm just um, on the road to Walgett, driving through Canamble, dodging kangaroos at the moment. Oh, I see. So, the season, you've had a bit of rain up there, so the seasons look pretty good? Uh, it's dry in a lot of places, and that's, that's why the kangaroos are all out on the edge of the road at the moment. They're a bit extra pink on the edges where it runs off the bitumen. Yeah, I thought you'd had rain up there. Yeah, in places, um, like on my farm, we um, missed out, but our neighbours had 50 to 70 mils. So they're just summer storms, and if you're lucky, you, you get it. And yeah. I might have to go to church more often or something. <laughs> well, whatever works, Danny, whatever works. <laughs> where's, your, where's your place? You're at, you're at Walgett, are you? Or? No, no, near, um, between Kinnabarabran uh, and um, Gunnedah. All right, that's a nice country out there too. Yeah, it is very nice. Basalt, rocky, but yeah, good soil. Fattening too thick. And what's hap- good. And what's happening in Walgett? You're going to church in Walgett, right? No. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I'm actually going to work there as a firefighter. So. I see. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. And uh, yeah. are you busy? I suppose if it's dry enough, it could be uh, could be a problem, couldn't it? Yeah, there's the odd. I, I work for fire and rescue. Um, so we do all the house fires, car accidents, hazmats, uh, grass fires, everything like that. So just helping out. Um, they're, they're a bit short-staffed at the moment, so um, I'm helping with recruitment and making up the numbers and so on. Is, so. That, is that hard, Dan, getting recruitment? Because I, I don't know. Uh, I was talking the other day to, to um, uh, some people about uh, – just generally getting people to work, finding people who want to work and, and can work. And uh, I suppose it's always harder in uh, rural areas, isn't it? Because uh, it's, it's not as if in most places you're getting more and more people there. No, you're getting less. All yeah. the younger people are sort of moving out, sort of chasing, you know, a better career or better working conditions. And, yeah, there's there's a sort of a hard work factor that comes into it and, a lot of people aren't really that keen to do the hard work. They just sort of want to do the CEO role. And, that's, uh, really, that's really troubling, isn't it? I mean, I hear that all the time. 
And, I mean, I don't want to work hard, uh, but I used to work hard. Uh, but depends if you're, you know, you're, you're fit. I'm not, you know, I'm not 25 anymore or 35. Um, but, yeah, you, you hear that all the time. And, and, and when you go to you talk to people like in hospitals, they say most of the people working in hospitals are recent arrivals in Australia doing all that sort of work that maybe Australians don't want to do. I don't know, but... Um, it must be hard. I'm going to talk a little later today about towns that are bypassed. You know, on the you know when the M1 goes through Australia yeah. and Victoria, and, and towns are yep. bypassed, and and thereby those little towns get smaller, or even if they're cities, say like um, Taree, a big city. But I su- I suspect Taree's got smaller, and there's less business there, so less people go there. So our country towns are shrinking, which I think is a really really troubling because to me they're the essence i mean i live in the city but the essence of australia what makes us really australians i think is our country towns and they need to be thriving and all that sort of stuff i think and to do that you need people and you need a little bit of business and things absolutely it's the full gamut of society and um and it's where all our food's grown and our you know we used to have sawmills in every town and butchers and now everything's sort of brought in from centralised locations and I think that's why we're paying more and the quality's dropping. We've still got our local butcher at Gunnedah and he's amazing. All his, all his meat's hand-picked at the, at the um, sale yards and so on. It's just top-notch. You know, we've lost our sawmills um, and we see that across all these little towns. Uh, it's just really disappointing. All those butchers, bakers and candlestick makers are... They're not there anymore, and everything we buy is made overseas, and it just doesn't have the quality. And, and no. we're not giving children, that, you know, young people, the opportunity to learn these trades and sort of develop their own business. And it's, a, it's not just a quality of life, but it's also a job satisfaction. Exactly, um, exactly. Um, Danny, where, where are you from originally? I grew up out west of Cobar. We were on a big cattle station out there. and. Mm. Saw a lot of dry times, but ended up moving into the east a bit further, where it rained occasionally. And um, I've, I've travelled the world a fair bit as well, been to America and around. And um, yeah, I've, I've had a great life. And you know, I've worked hard. I've, I've had a few jobs, and um, you know, hard work never killed anyone. Stress might have, but um, hard work I don't think ever kills anyone. Yeah, well, well, Dan, it's great to talk to you. I think uh, maybe a visit to church now <laughs> may, may, may help. Uh, but I, I, you don't have to go on Sunday. You can go during the week. And, uh, and, the, and the other thing is, you got many pigs out there? Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot. We, um, oh, just in our local area, we, we do helicopter shoots. Um, and, like, uh, just recently, oh, well, We've done three or four in the last probably 12, 18 months. And normally over sort of a four or five day period, we'll get, you know, 1,800 to 2,000 pigs. God help me. Yeah, oh. it's just constant. They're destroying the crops and the fences. And and destroying uh, everything. I just think of like little quails because uh, I love little quails. I don't know why. And they, yeah. nest, they nest in the grass. Well, the pigs yep. just trample them and their eggs. And, yeah, I mean, yes. there's no chance for anything. You know, you, they we should have been doing this years ago, but I suppose they're good seasons. You can, they're they're wily things, aren't they, pigs, mate? Oh, and they're getting more and more cunning. Like they they've sussed out traps, 
and they know what a chopper sounds like, so they all just keep their head down, nothing pokes mm. their nose out, literally, and um, they've, yeah, they, and they breed like rabbits, you know, <laughs> when it's good season, they, <laughs> they, well, um, my, my new one is, no, they breed like people. People. Oh, that, that could be the case. <laughs> people, there's, bill, there's billions of us. There's billions of us all over the world. Good on you, Danny. I got to, I got to fly. But nice to talk to you, mate. I'll, I'll catch you. Too. I I'll, just wanted to mention real quick. Those, um, I met you at Tamworth, and um, the book and the LP that you donated to me to take to the Ronald McDonald charity. I put some merch with it, and we raised five hundred and fifty dollars at auction. Oh, you're so Dan Murphy. You you're the singer with the uh, Murphy's Law, the band. Oh, that depends, but I could be, yeah. <laughs> Good on you, Danny. Great to talk to you, mate. Appreciate well, it, well, Yeah, take care. Enjoy Walgett. Say good day to him. Kettles on. Kettles on. Next time you're coming through. All right, mate. Good on you. See you, mate. See bye. you, matey. Bye. Dave and Wendy. Where are you, Dave and Wendy? Yeah, g'day. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, we're we're just heading out of Gala, heading off to Atungra, just west of um, Tamworth to pick up some hay. All right, there you go. You live in Gaira? Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. out of Gaira. Uh-huh. I want to talk to you about blackberries. Yeah, tell me. <laughs> you don't hear too much people talking about it these days, but uh, this, this year's been a bumper crop for the wild blackberry. I love them. I love them. I mean, I know. <laughs> well, it's funny, isn't it? Because blackberry's got a bad name because um, they grow everywhere yeah. and they, you know, and uh, it's a bloke I met who's a, well, he's a, you know, he's a gar- he's a landscaper and all that sort of stuff. And he, he talks about blackberries and, and things that oh. people think should be poisoned, like willows on the banks of creeks. But yet he says, oh, no. blackberries, for instance, he says, are great in in some ways because, firstly, I mean, there's good and bad in everything. That's the story. But he said in in summer, blackberries will keep the soil cool and in winter they keep it warmer. And and a lot of little critters, little native critters, make their homes in blackberries. Yeah, like like foxes. I've I've found a few burrows under them where foxes have been. Yeah, all all sorts of things. The problem is, though, that uh, it does spread very, very quickly. Um, yeah. You know, like the time we've been living where we are, the, 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 the clumps have got so big now that they're nearly out of control. But, um, yeah, last year we got nothing. This year, absolutely bumper. Oh, look, but, I'd love... Um, they're, they're the, they're, they're fabulous. <laughs> they're fabulous things, blackberries. And sometimes you go into the supermarket and they'll have uh, a little packet of stuff and it's blackberries and stuff. Well, they don't taste like... They just, I don't know what they no. taste like. They're, they're just, they're a different, they're a European maybe yeah, blackberry or something. They're a, they're a prickleless blackberry. Yeah. Um, the ones, the ones, the wild are all got the prickles on them. The ones you buy in the supermarket are from prickleless ones. Oh, yeah. And they're very... yeah we've, been, we've, we've been picking them and I, I think I've picked so far about 44 kilos. Wow. Over, over about three weeks. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I remember, wait, wait. Sorry, who's that? That's that's Wendy, is oh, it? That's my wife, Wendy. Yeah, yeah. I want to make it. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I've been making jam like you wouldn't believe. Oh well, <laughs> I'll be, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll come through Gora and pick up a couple of jars. Um, <laughs> yeah, come on, come out and have a cup of, and and you know we make scones and we have jam, you know, and, and oh, I've made all kinds like, and I've made a, a thing called spiced blackberry jam, which you put cinnamon, um, and yeah. Uh, all spice and you know you sort of mix that up with and, and, uh, 
and that's amazing. And also we've got a couple of apple trees um, that are just on the right now, and and I made some uh, I made some blackberry apple jam, and that's nice. <laughs> Blackberry apple. See, the the thing is, that's the good and bad. Blackberries are a, can be a curse, and they do spread. I've got a little. Uh, there's a block next door to us where, when I was a kid, I used to make um, cubbies uh, when I was yeah. uh, in blackberries, and we had tunnels going through all this blackberries, and then, um, and, it, and it was our little, you know, hideaway with some of the kids, and then we got rid of it, um, and that was forty years ago. And the other day. I'm wandering around there, and I see some little blackberry shoots coming through. I'm, and then that, that's the son of Sam. And and out yeah. in the bush, you know, they they can be a curse, but but yet they're. It's a bit like the lemon. Lemon tree very pretty, and the lemon flower yeah. is sweet. But the fruit of the fall. Yeah. But but lemons. Where would we be without lemons? And these yeah. and black blackberries yeah. are just lovely things, but you you can't get them. You know, yeah. uh, I I used to go blackberrying. There was a big sea. It's a golf course now, but there was a big sea of blackberries as far as you could see. And we, mum and my uncle and my sister, and we, we'd, we'd take big planks and billies and we'd go yeah, down there that's right, and good, we'd put good. the planks and off we'd walk into this sea of blackberries and we'd pick once I fell in <laughs> and we'd come home with billies and billies of uh, lovely blackberries. And, you know, yep. you'll have to, you'll have to, are they, are they, well, st- wait, are they still going wait. now or? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. They're, they're, they're easing off a bit now. Well, we've got, I reckon, a couple of weeks, Macca, and they'll be done. They'll be all done. Because we're getting a little bit of bits and pieces of rain, too, which we need. But, um, yeah, it sort of softens them up a bit. But, yeah, we're... But they, they freeze, well. We, we freeze oh, yeah. them, and then we have them yeah. for smoothies throughout winter, and, yeah. Mm. Oh, sounds lovely. <laughs> I, I, we've got, I've got your number. I know where you live. Um <laughs> Come in, come yeah, very welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, yeah. So All right. you're heading to pick up some hay this morning, eh? Yeah, we're getting yeah. some hay to carry yeah. through winter for the horses. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, in case it doesn't rain or whatever. Yeah, well, it's been a bit. It's been a bit of a uh, what would you say, green drought, if you like. Yeah. Um, so we we've had you know we've had some good rain, but a lot of it goes around and yeah, a bit like that. Someone's getting it, which is good. Yeah. yeah. So we listen to you, and and we're listening to you as we go down. It's a couple of hours drive and a couple of hours back, and we'll probably call in uh, to Urella and get a coffee on the way or something. Yeah, well, just uh, go home and make sure you've got uh, that blackberry jam. I'll be calling through in the next one. It'll be there. It'll be there. (laughs) Good on you, kids. Have a good one. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye. G'day, Macca. Malawil LA. This is uh, Shane calling you from... uh, Nukalofa over in the Kingdom of Tonga in the middle of the Pacific. Shane, what did you say? Say that again, the other. Mala, wala, what? So that's, that's Tongan for, for good morning or hello. So it's Malo LLA. Malo LLA. There you go. Yep. Well, nice to talk to you, Shane. What's happening? You too, mate. You too. It was actually uh, um, my wife and I were sitting here listening to you as we normally try to do most. Uh, most Sunday mornings, but uh, you played that song, um, I just forget the name of it now, that was about uh, sailing and sailing away. And, oh, yes. Uh, so it got us, it, trade winds. It got us thinking, the trade winds, yeah. So just, just uh, we were reminiscing. We're actually sitting on our, our little yacht at the moment just off the capital of, of Nukalofa, but it got us thinking the last time, I actually, I've called you once before, and it was... Uh, we reckon it was about 30, 29, 30 years ago, 
Um, <laughs> again, from a, a little a little yacht that we had called Heidi Two, and we were sitting up uh, off Prince of Wales Island, which is near Thursday Island, up in the Torres Strait. Mm. Um, I was I was uh, yeah I was with uh, working with Queensland Police then, and back then, of course, no um, no mobile phones, so I actually used the VHF Marine Radio to call you um, using it as a as a radio telephone. So it was uh, the last time we chatted. So I thought. We'll give it a go again, but this time we've got mobile phones. That's what another bloke said. I, I, who was it? Peter. Peter. He said, "Yeah, I called you in 1985, Macca. I mean, <laughs> a long, so long time between drinks, about Shane. 95. <laughs> about 94, 94, I reckon. Well, long time between drinks, mate. So, Shane, a couple of things. But first of all, what are you doing in Tonga? I'm actually over here on a uh, on a three year contract. Um, I'm employed by the his Majesty the King, um, as the Commissioner of Police here for the for the Kingdom of Tonga. And how long have you been there, Shane? Uh, coming up two years, so it'll be two years uh, in May. So yeah, it's been a been a wonderful journey, a, a, just a fantastic uh, life experience. I'm very very uh, honoured and, and humbled to to be here in this role. And uh, there's some great people here in the Tonga Police and. Uh, no end of work to do, of course, in our uh, in our line of work. But um, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's good fun. But uh, we're make, trying to make a difference. Uh, like and like many of our neighbours, like in PNG, the populace are mad about football. Absolutely <laughs> mad about footy, aren't they? Oh, well, certainly are. Yeah, there's a rugby union, rugby league, um, soccer's growing over here as well. But um, there's also you know netball. Um, Tennis is is a surprising one that uh, when we got here, with lots of tennis being played, so that uh-huh. was uh, a bit of a surprise. But yeah, very um, just natural athletes, the Tongans. So Shane, what's uh, what's that job like? What's the the job like? As most people say to you when you they say the best way to really see a place is to get a job it's, is to work in that community, and and that's what you're doing. You've been there for two years, and you've obviously uh, a, a great life experience, as you said. Hundred percent, mate. Um, and this is sort of, um, I suppose you could say, I'm in the twilight of my career, and I'm you know, always looking to looking to to give back. I've been uh, been a copper now for oh, coming up probably 42, 43 years. I've lost count, but uh, I did I did about thirty years with Queensland Police, and then I switched across to the uh, the AFP, the Australian Federal Police, um, because uh, Sharon and I, my wife Sharon and I, were natural adventurers and uh, we get itchy feet when we've been somewhere for two or three years so <clears throat> it was great in Queensland police because we we moved around the state uh, I think we had 13 moves in 26 years at one point <laughs> and then uh, so we just but being in a state force uh, whilst it's uh, you know, it's good it's great fun and a, and a worthwhile career we, you're bound by that state border so I I moved across to the to the AFP because uh, within the AFP, great uh, great career for anyone out there listening with, with young kids, because you can literally travel the world um, in policing. So, and that's what I I did for for 14 years. Um, I got a, a remarkable opportunity to go up to uh, to Timor Leste, East Timor. Mm. Uh, worked in the in the UN, United Nations Police there. Um, I spent four years in Papua New Guinea as well, as well as working across. Various parts of Australia, and then uh, then this opportunity came up, so um, so I jumped at it, and uh, and here we are. Shane, you 
You mentioned uh, your yacht and you rung me before uh, when you're on your yacht. Somebody said to me something the other day about me going, so it's something I've always wanted to do, but I'll, I'll sort of never do it. And I said, oh, no, yes, you will. But um, it's a lovely, and you were talking about the song, which is Trade Winds, where he's sort of sitting on the beach and playing his guitar and saying, tomorrow we head for the islands and away they go. With He had his family with him, I think, and so they just sail around. It seems like a, a lovely life, it's a bit like when you're taking off in a plane and you get that feeling, I've left all that worldly world earthly world behind and off you go on your plane and I, I suspect it's the same when you're on a on a little yacht and you're sailing to who knows where soldier of fortune almost uh shane certainly is mate there's something about um i mean everyone has their their likes and then the, the places they go to to get their you know their enjoyment but uh for me um just being on the water is uh is is my my happy place and i don't even have to you know, we don't have to untie from the berth and go out on the on the boat. Just just literally stepping onto the boat uh, is enough for me, and uh, it's a great great uh, mental health break for me. Um, you know, these sorts of jobs uh, they get uh, they get stressful from time to time. So just being on the water is uh, is, is fantastic. When you go into a, a, a another country like Tonga or Japan or wherever you go, you always find the people. Uh, different we're all different aren't we we're all like a, in some ways i think we're all like it's like being on a different planet when you go to a, we're all got different habits and things like that and I, I assume it takes you a little while to to get the feel of a place like tonga it does make there's lots of differences but uh you know we're all uh, we're all similar in so many ways and sorry i'm just diverted looking off the off the stern here is a big turtle just come up for a, for a big breath and he's uh just going back down, so that's nice. <laughs> You're just making this jealous, Shane. Yeah. Anyway, go, go on. Sorry, but uh, no people. Um, you know, we are lots of lots of uh, differences from country to country because you know there's individual cultures, of course, and 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 the histories and the traditions, which is which is great to experience if you ever get um, for those that are lucky enough to 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 do that. But you know, at the end of the day, <clears throat> as human beings, we're all very, very similar. And, and over here in Tonga, um, families um, are a massive part of the culture, and probably more so than in most of the places that, um, that Sharon and I have, have had the, the fortune to, to live in and to work. And today, being Sunday, um, for example, it's actually um, they call it the Sunday Rule. It's in the in the the, const- the national constitution. That um, so, in general terms, work, work and sport uh, are forbidden. So the only people working today are the the essential services, emergency services, um, and no sport of any kind is played. Um, and it's a very re- religious country. Um, most lots of religions represented here, and and today a traditional Sunday is that everyone and literally. You know, I'd, I'd dare to say uh, 99% of the population finds their way to their own their own church and their own community. Following that, it's uh, it's family time. So the family feasts, and family get-togethers, and and we've since we've been here, Sharon and I, we've got our own little little church that we go to. We found a little um, English-speaking uh, Catholic church in a little suburb in in Nukalofa. We make our way there most Sundays when we can, and then we come across the little island uh, that's straight off the capital. Uh, called Pangamotu, 
which is where we happen to be anchored at the moment, and uh, we'll go ashore. And there's a little family there that get together every Sunday uh, for lunch, and uh, and we happily and joyfully join in. So it's a great uh, great way to spend the Sunday. Shane uh, makes me want to go to Tonga um, uh, and uh, have a look around, but all of those places, uh, but and preferably to buy a little a little yacht and sail around the place. <laughs> How long would it take to sail from <laughs> Australia to Tonga, mate? Uh, I think, well, when, when, depending on the weather, you know, weather's, uh, you're always at the beck and call of mother nature. So yeah. as yachties, you need to look for that, uh, that crucial weather window. But, um, as a crow flies are about, uh, 4,000 kilometers. So that's, uh, you know, up about 2,800 nautical mile or something like that. Someone will correct me, yeah. but yeah, it's, uh, probably, uh, uh three weeks. Yeah. Minimum, yeah. Lovely time, lovely time. Shane, it's great to talk to you this morning, mate. It's, uh, and, uh, yeah, thanks for your call. Can you hear us? Uh, so we used to be on Radio Australia, but I don't think we're on Radio Australia anymore. Well, that's an issue for us over here. Radio Australia, I mean, I listen to it whenever I can um, because they have some, some great uh, Pacific, uh, Pacific Radio um, channels and, and broadcasts uh, even during the week. But uh, it tends to drop out quite often. So you were on um, about 12 months ago, then we seem to have lost you, and and, uh, and we we just now uh, just stream you. you know, the wonders of technology. Yeah, the wonders of technology, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Shane, great. To, I hope we catch up sometime, mate. You, so you've got another year to go there in uh, Tonga. Yeah, up to uh, that's my anchor alarm going off. Sorry. <laughs> It's that turtle again, mate. Um, yeah, yeah. Up to uh, yeah, May, May next year, May twenty twenty-five is the end of my uh, my current contract. And where does the um, where does the boat point then, mate? Uh, north, south, east, or west? <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of being on a on a on a something you can live aboard. Um, if you don't like your neighbours or you don't like the scenery or the yeah. view, you can change it. Pull up your ca- anchor, but. But uh, a bloke like you, with the experience you've had, you'd be uh, you'd be wanted anywhere across the Pacific. Well, anywhere, I suppose, anywhere. People with experience and who who can work are very uh, very important. So you can work you can work till you're very old, Shane. I'd say. <laughs> and and I can work from the boat <laughs> these days. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Working from home, <laughs> they call it. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Shane, great to talk to you, mate. Mate, uh, Maka. Uh, been great listening to you over the decades and uh, keep up the good work and may there be many more years to come. Thanks, mate. Good on you. Bye. G'day, Maka. It's Martin here calling you from Norway. Hi, Martin. What are you doing in Norway? Well, you know, just ticking off the bucket list. I thought I saw a bit of a trip advertised up here, so um, uh, arrived into uh, Oslo and Bergen and then got on a ship and... uh, traipsing through the Norwegian fjords all the way up through in past the Arctic Circle into the Arctic Circle and currently at 71 degrees north which is the northernmost point of Europe. Wow, is it cool there? And oh crikey. Well up there I was up there yesterday at North Cape and uh, I think it was about minus 15 
Um, and, and the wind did have a bit of a chill in it, actually. Yeah, yeah. But you, you put layers and layers on and plenty of coats on and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it's, uh, you just got to dress for the occasion. I like that word you used before, traipsing. Um, I haven't heard that for ages. <laughs> That's a, a word from another ear. You'd never hear people use that word anymore. <laughs> words just, words just uh, the vocabulary of all of us seems to, uh, well, seems to shrink. Well, I'm, 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 I'm from that earlier generation. I've, I've listened to you probably for about 20 years and, and love it every Sunday morning. I look forward to it. And I agree with most things you say. <laughs> well, well, you're lucky, aren't you? I mean... <laughs> Yeah, you can't agree with anybody all the time, anytime. Somebody said that, or, or words to that effect, didn't people, they? It's plenty of people I disagree with, but I don't disagree with you too much, that's for sure. So, Martin, yeah, so it, are you retired or something, or is this just a holiday yeah. from work, or what? No, no, I, I, it, it's one. Of, it's, it's a bucket list. It's, it's, what, it's something on the bucket list to see the Northern Lights and... Um, experienced this part of the world it's been absolutely tremendous i've been on it for two weeks now and it's another two weeks to another week to go and then i then i head back to the yarra valley uh-huh uh and that's home what do you what do you do there yeah. or what have you done i'm retired mate retired mm. Mm. best best lifestyle i've ever had in my life <laughs> okie dokie all right so uh what should we know about norway apart from the fact that it's cold but it's well it's winter over there isn't it the, just Leaving, yeah, leaving yeah. The locals, cause the locals are complaining because the locals are complaining because it's not cold enough. So it, it, I, I've left n- n- North Cape and and now travelling a little bit south. One day travelling south, uh, and it's round about um, zero or minus one or two. But of course, the locals are complaining because it's too warm. Oh well, it'll happen. I suppose it gets down very cold there because you're you're near the top, aren't you? Really. Yeah, but that they, they want that it should be about uh, minus ten, and it, it's it's pretty much minus one or two. So, so and and it's, it's the old story. It's climate change. It's affecting the whole planet and all that sort of stuff. You know, yeah. um, and and everybody's conscious of it. Yeah. All right, so mate. Even right up here, there's snow everywhere. Snow as far as you can see. The landscape is unbelievable. I'm just waiting for for. Santa Claus and his reindeers to come galloping over the next hill. <laughs> okay, well, I don't think we've had a call from Oslo before, have we, Kill? Um, I don't think we have. No, no this is way up from us. Yeah, started in Oslo, but a uh, couple of thousand kilometres up the Norwegian coast now. Oh. And and well inside the Arctic Circle. The Arctic Circle is 63 degrees. I'm at 71 degrees at the moment. And you just wanted to see it, Martin, did you? Yeah. Just wanted to see it, wanted to experience it. Um, another part, you just, and we all know how good travelling is for the mind. You just learn so much. Yeah, and what uh, what what else is on your bucket list, Martin? Yes, other things on the bucket list. Well, I don't know. Um, uh, I, I, as a matter of fact, that's very interesting. Those two, uh, the two things were to fly somewhere business class and see the Northern Lights. And this opportunity came up, and I've done both of them here. But other things, oh, look, you know, just, just enjoy life, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. When enjoy people, life. Pe- people all use that phrase, the bucket list, all the time, and I imagine this list of, you know, 53 things. But, yeah, often it's just no, no, one no, or it's two. Just, <laughs> yeah, these couple of things. I, I, I had a trip like this planned before COVID hit, you know, but yeah. uh, that, that put an end to that. So this opportunity came up and I thought, right, here we go. 
And I've, the other thing, mate, I've listened to people call you from all over the world. It's interesting, isn't it, Blake? You're talking about America just a minute ago and a massive blizzard coming through there. The other guy was talking about the Pacific Ocean. Mm. Well, now we're talking about possibly, you know, the coldest part of the world. So it's so diverse, you know. The planet is so diverse. There's so much out there. There's so much to see. We can't do it all. But I've, I've always said, if ever I'm somewhere... A little bit different. I'm going to ring Macca. So, so that's another thing off my bucket list. Yeah, my mate Kevin Keedy said, uh, yeah, it's a, your program's a cheap trip around 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 the world, Macca. So, <laughs> that's what we've had this Lovely. morning. Good on you, Martin. Thank you. See you, mate. Bye bye. Bye. G'day, Macca. This is Dominic calling from Canada. G'day, Dominic. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. What are you doing in Canada? Tell us. Yeah, so I'm, I've moved here with my, my family. We've been in, in Brisbane, but we've moved to be close to my wife's family here, and we're in um, Windsor in Ontario. Uh-huh. Yeah, so at the moment we're at a couple of degrees and we're sitting around a campfire making s'mores. <laughs> making what? S'mores. It's a, um, a toasted marshmallow in between a... Um, a, bis- a chocolate-covered biscuit, like an like an arrowroot, and so it's um you melt it and it just cook it and it melts in your mouth. So Dominic, tell me your story. You're you're a teacher, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a teacher, and so you're from. Um, we've got from Brisbane. From Brisbane was where I grew up, and um yeah, we've just made the move here five weeks ago, so we're still still fresh. Still fresh, and uh, you've started teaching, obviously. Um, well, jumping through the the hoops to um, get my qualifications recognised over here, but I've um, got an interview on Monday, so yeah, be be getting into it pretty soon, Maka. So why did why did you move if you didn't have a certain job? Yeah, we we just moved to be close to to family, to my wife's family. She grew up over here, and we'd lived in Australia for the last seven years. And um, yeah, it was it was time to be to be closer, um, oh. and to give that a go for for a while. So we packed up the packed up the wife, packed up the kids, and and here we are. In uh, and where what what part of Canada? It's um, Windsor. It's in the southwest of Ontario. Um, we're on the border with Detroit in the United States. Oh, right. So yeah. big, um, big motoring cities over here, big motoring cities. Yeah, well, um, Detroit's a bit of a mess uh, compared to what it was, apparently, but um, hopefully it'll recover. Yeah. Well, it's actually on the up. It's on the up now, I think. There's been some, some good things happening lately in, in Detroit. They've been, yeah, they've been putting in some, some good work there because it was, yeah, you're right, in quite of a quite a state but um it's it's on the up which is good which is good so dominic you'll uh yeah hopefully get a job uh soon when your qualities are recognized and uh it'll be up and at them that's right that's right that's right well um what do you teach dominic i teach um physics it's what um it's my specialty physics and um, maths and religion oh you'd be you're in demand but not a lot of kids want to do maths. I don't know what it's like in Canada, but here you'd, apparently you, you don't have to do maths if you don't want to, I think, in some of the high schools. And, and physics is probably the same. But anyway, good luck with it, Dominic. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Macca. Thank uh, you. And um, 
just before I go, I'd like to give a shout out. I know my mum and dad always listen to you. Yeah. They're probably listening now. So, and it was dad's birthday yesterday. So, what's his name? Birthday, dad. What's his, his what's name's his, Glenn. And where's he? Glenn. Well, they're in Canberra at the moment, but um, visiting his brother and family there. But they're um, they live in Brisbane normally. Good so, on you, Dominic. Keep in touch. All right. Good on you, Macca. Take it, care. It's a pleasure. Oh, you should have heard Dave and Wendy. They're from Gyra. They've been picking blackberries. It's the best season ever. Well, they didn't say that, but they sort of intimated that it was the best season ever for fruit and veg, but certainly for blackberries. There you go. Blaster says, because we just talked about spies, spies like us. <laughs> we should get Graham Richardson. Remember he came to um, um, Canberra to the uh, Arboretum and uh, he talked. I said, uh, can you see any sp- spies here? He says, oh, because we're in Canberra. <laughs> And they'd given away small trees in little things, and people were sitting at their at their chairs with behind little these little trees in pots. And he said, "I said, he said, I said, can you see any spies here? Because he used to work at ASIO. Dennis Richardson is just a great, a great, the public servant that you should have everywhere. He's just a public servant, and he's very good and cluey. Um, and he said, I said, can you see any spies? He said, oh. I don't know," he said. "But some of those people in beards were in Canberra, and sitting behind trees, standing behind trees, it was a riot." Um, Blaster says, "I grew up in the communist Czechoslovakia, and when the regime ended, the list of informers and secret agents and people who spied and informed the party was released. It had more than two hundred thousand names on it. There is still a list available to people to search now." Says Blaster. So you don't know, do you? Even your best friends. You wouldn't know if they're in Asia or, in fact, whatever. But everybody needs information, see? they Well, they think they do. And uh, it all comes back to the thing the other day where apparently somebody was releasing information where it shouldn't have gone. But anyway, 1300 700 I'm up here camping on the farm again with my mate Ernie. He's a Kelpie Cross. Well, didn't we have a cracker of a storm yesterday afternoon, uh, yesterday afternoon, up here at Werrell Flat in New South Wales? She really turned it on. And you talk about certain fruit and veggies having a good season. That was blackberries. This current crop of corn is the best I've grown in 40 years, I reckon. Must be the good constant rain, I guess. My pumpkins did pretty good this year, and I need to tell you that I got first prize in the Maitland Show for one of my Queensland Blues. How good is that? And isn't it a great Aussie thing to do? Enter something in the local show. Get into it, people. It it will put a smile on your dial. Today I continue fencing, but I need to slash the fence line prior, and I'll be doing that with me old grey Fergie. Bought new by my grandfather, the Fergie is one of the greatest joys in my life. Hmm. Sorry. Uh, it's Nigel. Nigel writing this, right? Greatest joys in my life. What a wonderful piece of gear. She's a red and grey one and a 35X model, which is diesel. So we'll drive across the creek later on and clean this fence line up, ready to run a few wires, and I really enjoy it. Some people must like, like I'm mad, must think I'm mad, but it's what I like to do, muck around doing stuff on the farm. It's a beaut spot up here with plenty of native birds and the noise of Kapara Creek in the background. 
And often I look at this place and I think how lucky we are in this beautiful country. Yeah, we don't realise it, do we? The only thing that we're missing in this uh, lovely country of ours is freedom of speech, which seems to be disappearing, along with our general freedoms. And all we have to do in this country is just go to work five or six days a week and we can buy anything we want that makes you happy. I bought a farm and there's no way I can sell it because Ernie, that's the dog, enjoys it too much. Thanks heap for the talk back. I really look forward to it on Sunday mornings, says Nigel and Ernie. Thank you, Nigel. That's a lovely little piece of gear. And if you're listening this morning, you would have heard Dan from Canamble. That was a lovely call too. Uh, I can't go into it now. And uh, Pete was in How Long. Uh, Kieran was cleaning up Australia Day. Um, Dave and Wendy talked about blackberries. See, blackberries are, are, you know, there's two thoughts about blackberries. They're a curse and they need to be poisoned and got rid of. And the other thing is they're beautiful fruit. And who was my correspondent? What's his name? I've forgotten. Um, um, from uh, Orange, Kill, from around Orange Way. And he says, well, look, you know, you might hate them, but uh, they'll grow where other things don't grow. They keep the soil cool in the summer and they keep it warm in the winter, and they do protect, although you'll get foxes and cats and things living in there, you'll also get little birds and little natives. So I don't know what you do about it. But the blackberries themselves, you ever bought blackberries in a supermarket, you forget it. They're just, they're just blackberries, but they're not the flavour of wild blackberries. I'm going to call into Dave and Wendy to try and get a, 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 jam, a, a jar of their jam. He said, did she, Wendy says she'd pick 40 kilos of uh, a great year for blackberries. Anyway, Shane McLennan-Rang, he's, uh, he's uh, in Tonga. He's the police commissioner over there. He sails around the world sort of thing and doing bits and pieces. Martin was in Norway where it was only minus one or minus two. Uh, Pip was showing her little dogs at the dog show in Kyogle. She's got Jack Russells and Waimaranas. And Dom was in Canada. He's moved back to, or moved to Canada because his wife comes from there and he's trying to get a job. And apart from that, all's right with the world, uh, I think. There's something I wanted to read to you here. A report from Hong Kong in a minute. I mentioned uh, the Miracle Mile will be on next Saturday night. Uh, I'm going to try and get, get there. This is from Philip Desborough who writes about numismatologists uh, and things like that from time to time. Hello, Ian. The above press release, dated 1st of March, invited all Australians for ideas to reimagine or reimage, reimagine the new proposed $5 note. Okay. This is not the first time the general public have been invited to lodge ideas stroke designs for our dis- distinctive Australian banknotes, despite what Assistant Governor Michelle McPhee stated in, in an interview yesterday. I didn't see what she said. On November the 5th in 1910, a notice appeared in the Commonwealth Gazette inviting designs for the following banknotes, the 10-shilling note, the £1 note and the £5 note. The best designs nominated by an advisory board were then forwarded to the Treasurer. £50 was awarded to the winner of each design for further reading and acknowledgements. Perhaps Michelle McPhee could read Australian banknotes by Mick Vaught-Ronald, pages uh, 67-72. Uh, I wish these high-ranked public servants we have today, who I doubt have the passion and know the history of our Australian designed and printed banknotes, would consult with people in the numismatic field who do share the passion and know the history of these notes. The Assistant Governor should read the following books for a better understanding. The Origins and History of the Commonwealth Bank and Andrew Fisher, Prime Minister of Australia by David Day. He was a Labor Prime Minister. 
I feel this invitation is purely a box-ticking exercise simply because the theme on the front has been decided between the RBA and the Treasurer, while the reverse will be a Parliament House, again, which has been there for over 30 years. Even the old Parliament House in Canberra was only featured for 12 years, between 54 and 66. While they will redesign the front of the note, there's no reason why a new reverse design should also happen says Philip Desra. The RBA and the Treasurer should get together and clarify for the general public what legal tender means and make a law that businesses who take the card only display by signage that message on their premises and all on their digital advertising media. I play golf and it's a pain to have to ask clubs when you book a time, do you take cash? Or they don't. Thank you, says Phil Desra. G'day, Macca. It's Cam from Chinchilla. How are you going? Good, thanks, Cam. Mate, I just wanted to let you know about a, a fundraising event that I'll be doing next Saturday. It's for the Royal Flying Doctor Service, and um, I'll be attempting to set a new Australian record for the most takeoffs and landings during daylight hours in a fixed-wing aircraft, and I'll be uh, using an aeroplane that I've designed and built myself. Well, you're a little, you're a little pistol, Cam. <laughs> Tell me about you and your aeroplane. Uh, well, it's called a Kangawalla Fox. That's, uh, that's, the, <laughs> that's what I've called it. So it's a little bush plane. It's a two-seat tail dragger. And uh, I've had a few other aircraft in the past, and um, I've sort of taken other bits that I like from other aircraft, a, a wing of one plane and the undercarriage from a different one, and I designed a fuselage. And it took me about a year to design, and then it took another two years to, to construct. Um, and now I've finished doing all the inspections and flight testing. and So, so I was, uh, was going to say, how long does it take you to get something that you've made yourself registered as its airworthiness and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, there's a bit involved. So during the build process, there's about three stage inspections and then there's a final inspection before I'm allowed to start test flying. Um, and then there's a whole test flying regime that I have to go through to to prove that it's airworthy. You know, I've got to put it through its paces, essentially, and make sure it's safe. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm at that point, and uh, now I want to see what it can do. So I'm trying to raise some money for charities. Are you a uh, are you an engineer of some sort? Or a, a no, I'm fit- a sparky. A sparky. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, so... What sort of... What's it made? Is it fabric or wood or steel or what's what's it made of? Or it's, it's a bit of everything, yeah. as the name implies. It's a mix of different animals. So I've got uh, the fuselage is chromoly uh, tube, which has been TIG welded. Uh, the wings are aluminium. Oh, yeah. What's TIG welded for the rest of us? Uh, well, I'm not sure what the acronym TIG stands for, but it's basically uh, a type of welding where they use a filler rod. It takes a lot longer, but you've got a lot more precision during the welding. So I used a certified uh, aircraft welder to, to weld all the frame for me. I, I didn't do that part myself. I just did the design work. And why did you want to build an aircraft, Cammy? Well, mate, the, uh, the last few aeroplanes that I've owned, they'd been built by someone that bought a kit and um, I'd, I'd thought about maybe buying a kit and uh, and building my own, but uh, I couldn't find one that sort of ticked all the boxes for me. So I thought, well, it can't be that hard. I'll just design my own. And you did, and it uh, took two years to build. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. So uh, I've, I've had a lot of help. Um, I'm in Chinchilla. I, I actually built the aircraft down in Dolby because there's a, a good uh, maintenance team down there, and they provided a lot of advice and support. 
um, and everyone's given me a lot of help. So, yeah, and then I've uh, got it built and got it up and flying, and, yeah, now I want to, yeah, do what I can for the RFDS. Exactly. Um, and you've been flying for a good while? Yeah, my, I've been flying for about six years. Mm. Oh, that's all? Um, yeah, yeah, not too long. Like, when I decided, I took a test flight one day with a flight instructor, and I thought, oh, this isn't too bad. And then within probably three months, I had my, my license. And then I thought, oh, well, I've got my license. I may as well buy a plane. So I bought my first one and had it for a year or so. And then I sold it and bought one that was a bit bigger, a bit faster. And, and then it sort of, it just really escalated from there. And how does this one go? This is, what sort of speed can you travel in this? It's very slow. And that's what I, like, this is a bush plane. I wanted something that I can see how slow I can fly, not how fast. So it's, uh, I've got nitrogen shocks in the undercarriage so that I can land in, in a paddock, essentially. It's, it's a little bush plane. I, I can get off the ground in about 20 metres and I can land in about 20 to 30 metres. Wow. So it, it's a, a short takeoff and landing aircraft. Um, I've got really high visibility. Um, so it, it's, I want to use it for, for hunting pigs so I can actually cruise around really slow. I've taken the passenger seat out and I put a dog box in there. I can mount my rifle out on the wing strut so I can poke around real steady, find a mob of pigs, put it down in a paddock, kick the dog out and go and grab a grunter. So that's that's the sort of thing I've designed it to be able to do. We, I spoke to Dan this morning. Uh, he was at Canamble going out to Walgett to... What was he going to Walgett for, Kill? Uh, I can't remember. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But he, I asked him about pigs, and he said there's hundreds and thousands of them out there, he said. And, yeah, and oh, do, mate, as doing... far as I'm aware... Go on. Sorry, I, I, as far as I'm aware, I think there's more feral pigs in Australia than there are people. Yeah, that'd be... And, and they do incredible damage, not just to agricultural crops, but to native animals and to... and to Like little quails. My fa- One of my favourite little birds, a little family of quails. They're wonderful little Aussies. And, but they nest in the grass, and of course, when you're pig rooting, you've heard that term, pig rooting. They're rooting around the grass, they're smashing everything down. They walk on it, they eat the eggs, and and so you know, if if we want to have a an Australia that's you know, got these all these little n- natives, these little other little Aussies apart from us, we're not the only Aussies here. All those little animals, something needs to be done about. I know people are shooting pigs everywhere, but uh, they. I don't think people realise how many pigs there are and what damage they're doing to everything. Mate, you're spot on. The the damage they do to the native ecosystem, but um, as you say, digging it all up, mudding the water, they're eating all the frogs, and as and not only from it, that point of view, but also for the farmers, the the pigs can spread disease like uh, leptospirosis, and they can also carry brucellosis, which is dangerous to humans as well. So, yeah, they're they're not a good time. No, and. Uh... Yeah, you're doing a little bit, but um, you know, there'll be hundreds of thousands, millions of millions of pigs. And because I suppose of all the rain of the last two or three years, and it's been wet and still is, uh, there's lots of things and lots of critters for them to eat. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Anyway, so well, you uh, you've got a very exciting. You've you've flown it already, have you, Cam? Or oh yeah, I've I've got a bit over twenty hours flying in it so far. And it's so, called the, and it's called the Kangawalla Fox. Kangawalla Fox, that's what it's called. 
So if you, yeah, if you get bored one day and you're looking for something to do, I do have a little YouTube channel called Kangwalla Fox Aircraft, and it just details the build process, basically where I started from a, a piece of tube, gone through the whole process, and my wife and my kids have helped me. Like, my kids have been on the rivet gun, pulling rivets. My wife's helped me do all the, the, the fabric work and all the outer. So, yeah, it's it's been a good little process, and now so, it, uh, I've got a finished product. So how many, I mean, I know you said you take the dog with you, but how many people can you carry? in your plane or is just single it's a two-seat aircraft two seat, two so it yeah it's registered as a, a recreational aviation aircraft mm-hmm. um which is limited to to two seats well you never know it could be it, it could be take off it could be like the you know it could be it might might go into production cam you never know oh mate that was my original intention i think there would be a demand for it unfortunately manufacturing in australia it it just cost me too much like for what i've spent on this plane i could have just bought one um that was definitely my intention was to hopefully get a product that i could deliver to the australian market that ticks all these boxes and it's australian made but it just cost too much to to build things in this country for me anyway yeah well i've got a couple of eddie lie who's just retired from being a manufacturer and terry tisdale who's just about to retire i think but Maybe you should have talked to them and maybe they could help you. I don't know. But anyway, keep... Hey, mate, I was just wondering, could I just give you a few details about the RFDS? Yeah, go. Um, just, just in case people weren't aware that the Royal Flying Doctor Service is the largest and most comprehensive aeromedical organisation in the world. Yep. Um, about 330,000 Australians are helped each year by the Australian doctor. That sounds like a reasonable number. But if you say it like that's one person every two minutes, that's that's a lot. I'll say. So they've got about 79 aircraft operating across Australia, which means that no one in Australia is more than two hours away from care. Well, so they are a really important part of, of the Australian culture. Well, you, you ring us uh, when you're doing your thing and when you take off and where you'll be and uh, we'll give it a plug, okay? No dramas, mate. Thanks very much. You keep in touch, Cammy. Okay, thanks, Maga. See you, mate. Bye. Uh-oh. Hi, good morning, Maga. Uh, it's Ling. I'm calling from Mount Gambia in South Australia. G'day, Ling. How you going? Hey, yeah, very well, thank you. I called you last year in March from Sheffield in Tasmania when I was doing the hiking holidays in Tasmania. Oh, that's right. And- yeah, yeah I'm. You're yeah, from, were you from Sydney somewhere or something? From Gold Coast. Gold Coast, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, the yep. Chinese Australian. Yeah, I'm so excited to speak with you and just to share how amazing the experience I'm having. Um, seeing Australia, you know, like the uh, traveling from Gold Coast down to Mount Gambia now. Um, the place I see, the people I met, just amazing. Just amazing. I remember your your waxing lyric um, about Tassie, uh, and what made you want to go to Mount Gambia, Ling? Well, I actually, uh, in the last four years, I met uh, annual holidays to Tasmania, and uh, I met people from Victoria, and they always say, "Have you been to Wilson's Promontory?" And so it's very intrigued uh, to see Wilson Promontory. I did a four days hiking in uh, Wilson's Promontory before I traveling along the uh, Great Ocean Road down to Mount Gambia just to see the Blue Lake. 
Uh, the blue lake, and you drive this Ling, don't you? Do you? Yes, you drive. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I love road trip. Yeah, and uh, it's amazing. Wilson's Promontory. It's the most southern point of mainland Australia. And now today, I'm going to heading to the um the place called Cape Northumberland, which is the most southern point of uh South Australia. Cape Cape Northumberland. Yeah, that's right. So it's about half an hour drive from Mount Gambia. Oh, see, most yeah. of us haven't been there. See, Ling, you're, <laughs> you're, you're seeing places that most of us haven't seen or been to. Oh, well, I try. And the people I met are incredible. You're talking about inspirational people. Um, may I make a shout-out to Margaret in Port Ferry? I met on Thursday doing the by ride, the rail trial. She's 80, turning 80 years old. And a group of them just make the regular by ride and then they they are the friends of the Port Ferry uh, rail trial. They do the maintenance, a lot of voluntary work, doing the tree planting, cleaning the trial. It's amazing, 80 years old. Absolutely amazing. Ling, I've got to fly, but lovely to talk to you. Um, you're inspiring us and you put us all to shame the way you just get in the car and go. Good on you, Ling. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Bye. Bye. Michael's in Broome. Morning, Michael. Good morning, and How are you doing? Yeah, good, mate. What's happening in Broome? What are you doing? Well, first, a quick weather report. The sun is just starting to peak over Roebuck Bay and it's... Uh, 29, I'd say probably about 80% humidity, slight westerly. So um, I'm standing in Bedford Park at the moment. And what's, uh, what's hap- what are you doing at Bedford Park, mate? Tell people well, about Bedford, Bedford Park is where the uh, various memorials are, uh, obviously the Anzac memorials, but also for us in Broome today is the 82nd anniversary of the first air raid on Broome. That's right, and, and, just... and Darwin was sort of last week, so they, they did Darwin over, and then a week later they uh, attacked Broome. Yes, that's right. The, uh, one of the reasons for attacking Broome was that um, life had got a bit hairy up at Darwin, so there was an, actually an uh, airlift going back into the Netherlands, uh, Dutch East Indies, which obviously now is Indonesia, and it was being done by Dutch, Australian and Americans. And uh, so they transferred the operation down to Broome because there was a lot of seaplanes involved and Roebuck Bay is a very nice place to land and park. And uh, they uh, thought that they would be safe, particularly from the zeros. But uh, what they didn't realise was that in one of the captured airfields in Indonesia was a part of the Imperial Naval Air Group uh, that was actually specialising in long-range raids. And they put one together, and they came specifically just to destroy aircraft. Mm. Just It was beyond their comprehension, because up to that point in time, it was the longest single-seat uh, aircraft raid ever conducted in the war and was only superseded in the closing stages of um, World War II when they started doing long-range runs accompanying the bombers up to Japan from Iwo Jima. And you can still see the fuselage, can't you, in low tide in yeah, Roebuck Bay? Yeah, very, 
very low tide, uh, two and sometimes three of the uh, flying boats are exposed, but the rest are still in the deep water channels. Um, so we ask people if they're going out to see them to remember that they are actually wargraves and they do have heritage protection. So uh, will they get a crowd there today, Michael? Is they always uh, get... pro- probably, probably a fairly small group of locals and the odd visitor. Uh, we get all the diplomatic corps and that come when we have the community gets together every five years and does a big commemoration. The schools do performances and sing and, you know, the uh, North Force does the does the catafalque party. So because we're not a garrison town, it's really just a community-generated event. Um, so, yeah, every five years is the is a significant um, uh, commemoration. And at 10 o'clock uh, Western Standard Time, people will just gather down here at Bedford Park and pay their respects with a short service from the RSL. Well, and you're down there this morning right now, and it's going to be a... Yeah, right. Going to be. Uh, have you had a wet there in Broome really this year? Uh, not much, Macca. It's been uh, the statistics came in, and I listened to thing. It's been the second driest wet we've had ever. Really? Uh, yeah. And yet, Having a little said, a little further north, they've had a lot of rain, haven't they? Oh, look. Uh, we think that for particularly the West Kimberley, uh, that our uh, our wet season went for uh, went to Queensland for a holiday. So we had 16 mil yesterday, which everyone was just out and about going, look at this, why, why so late? So, but uh, we got cloud overhead, but I think it'll be a fairly dry day for us, maybe a bit of rain tonight. Good on you, Michael. Great to talk to you. Uh, oh, lovely. Thank you. And can I just sing out, uh, there was a second air raid in Broome and a, uh, a Malaysian national who was indentured was working on the airport and got killed by shrapnel. And he's actually interred in Perth with the Dutch. And we finally found his death certificate and they've changed the nameplate to the correct date. So I'd like to thank the Commonwealth uh, War Graves Commission for that. Good on you, Mike. Much appreciated. Thanks, Mike. All the best, Maka. Take care. See you, Bye. Bye. Jane's in Tarago. Is that right, Jane? Yeah, Tarago, Tarago. I suppose Tarago. it depends whether you've got one of those Toyota vehicles or whether you actually know the town, but <laughs> spelt the same and probably, you know, like Monaro, Monero, same sort of thing. Well, what's the local pronunciation? Tarago. Uh, Tarago. Tarago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. And what's happening? The show's on today. The show's on today. It's a little one-day show for people who want to really... Back to Basics Country Show. Uh, I'm saying that this is shaping up like a gorgeous event. Beautiful day here, blue sky maker and uh, the high light white clouds across the sky, lovely countryside. And there's just the people exercising their horses. The show jumps are all set up. First horse events they've had here for some years. Uh, entries are all closed now, so please don't jump online and try and enter because that's all done. But right. um, the, uh, the other great thing they're doing today is that there's a local horse archery club and some enthusiasts of medieval horse sports. And so there's some demonstrations later today of archery, not horseback archery this year. That'll come next year, I think, but just archery in general. And um, actually a couple of local people went to Mongolia 
just a few months ago to compete in the World Championships for horseback archery. So horseback archery will be a thing here next year, I imagine. But there's also some jousting this afternoon. So anybody who loves to see that old stuff, there's a medieval village set up. If you want to come and just see some old crafts, blacksmithing, and just enjoy a really great day in beautiful countryside, this is where you need to be. It's a well, it's a lovely part of Victoria, isn't it? And in no, New South Wales, New South, oh, it's just well, outside of Canberra. Oh, there's, well, there's two, there's two Tarragos. I thought you were Victoria. There's a Tarragos. No, no, we're about 50 minutes from Canberra, oh. uh, near Bungendore and Braidwood oh, in Goulburn, actually, oh, in that little triangle. There you mm. go. Um, and, and Jane, you're um, you're uh, showing something. I've got a daughter who's got uh, a stall here. I've got uh, other family members putting things up for sale and exhibiting and uh, a family member involved as the horse steward here. So, uh, yeah, there's some sporting this afternoon. And uh, if you just like to have a browse around, look, the stalls here are amazing. There's so much stuff here for you to see. And so do much and stuff. We love stuff. There's, there's stuff. <laughs> this is stuff central. <laughs> we had the uh, Goulburn show was on. I drove into Goulburn yesterday. Mm. Goulburn show was big, big, big yesterday. So people in Goulburn might feel like they're, they're all showed out. I can tell you that they're not because if they want a completely different event, this is the place to be. Lovely little showground surrounded by beautiful hills, lovely blue sky. And, um, yeah, stuff, but different stuff from a regular show. There's a bit of fairy floss and show bags, but there's also local food, uh, local meadery, fellow who makes mead locally, he's here. You can come and sort of kit yourself out for a year with some really great local produce. Good on you, Jane. Great to talk to you. And lovely to talk to you, and thanks for your program, Mecca. That's a pleasure. Pleasure. I'll tell you why I live where I live. It's been a long time between messages, says Chris Brown, but time flies like a migrating waterbird, far and fast. I still listen to the show as often as I can and still try to make it my Sunday morning ritual. I use the ABC Listen app so I can basically listen in from anywhere in the world, be it in the Kimberley wilderness or from a remote village in northern Thailand, where I am at the moment. Wi-Fi is just about universal these days. I still work the dry seasons travelling throughout the Kimberley region of Western Australia. I have the privilege and honour of introducing multitudes of people to the many different faces of that magnificent country, from the tip of the Great Sandy Desert through the Kimberley Ranges and onto the tropical wonderland of the incredibly unique Mitchell Plateau. It's as much an adventure for me as it is for my guests. After 45 years of driving and guiding safaris throughout the outback and beyond, I can honestly say I'm still learning. And I can also say the excitement of my first drive into the Kimberley Ranges is mirrored in the excitement I get every time I get amongst it these days. I suppose being 71 years young contributes to the acute appreciation for country that I feel and also try to convey to visitors who travel with me. But the vibrant energies of the Kimberley will always be there for anyone who travels her dusty tracks, whether in an organised tour or in their own vehicle. From the young to the very old, the Kimberley has a way of infecting people with a deep sense of magic mystery and wonder. The vast horizons, the hazy landscapes, the distant jagged sandstone cliffs and the contrasts of the clear crystal waterholes lined by pandanus and liverstoner palms. The whole place has that aura of sheer grandeur. I remember first-hand writing a letter to you, Macca, back in 1986 from the Tanami while I was prospecting and also working at Rabbit Flat with Bruce and Jackie Farrens. They were good days, listening into you on shortwave out there in the great silence. There's been a lot of water through the swag since then. 
I recently heard some expats here in Thailand complaining about the Australia of today and the world at present times. You'd think it was all darkness and catastrophe. I didn't enter the conversation, or more accurately, I wouldn't enter the conversation, simply because doom and gloom has always been there and always will be for those who want to interpret the world in that manner. The world moves in cycles, through good times and bad times, but everything is impermanent. The days of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and 2000s were all good days for someone, and these are good days too. I did mention to you in one message from Chiang Mai one time that happiness is something that needs to be cultivated in our society. I also mentioned it can be contagious. I still see this on a daily basis amongst the farming communities of northern Thailand. By our Australian standards, a lot of these people are seriously poor, but I've never seen happier people anywhere. In Australia, some of the happiest people I come into contact with are the community people in remote Aboriginal communities in the Kimberley. I'm not saying we all have to be poor to get happy. I'm simply saying that money isn't the answer if we're truly looking for lasting happiness. There's a very successful method of engendering personal happiness and it's available to every human being on earth because it's within every human. Peace of mind is latent inside everyone and just needs to be pursued, practised and honed. The mind is the most important organ within the mind-body structure of a human being. Like our body, if we feed it rubbish or negativity, then there's only one end result. We have to watch what we feed our minds. But beyond that, we have to become aware of how to treat our minds well. A healthy diet and good exercise can prevent many of the maladies of both mind and body. What the method is for cultivating happiness is one of the reasons I live where I live, part-time. Hereabouts, meditation is taught from primary school onwards and people regard it as commonplace. This might come to explain some of the rampant happiness that permeates this place. No longer a complete wanderer, I now have roots in both the Kimberley and in Thailand. But place isn't a part of the happiness equation. It's all within the human heart. No matter where one lives or under what circumstances peace of mind is achievable. If we could start teaching meditation and inner peace in primary schools, within a few generations, we'd have a different country altogether. We should look for ways to spread the contagion of happiness. Peace of mind can be interpreted as the first step towards lasting happiness. As one great sage once said when asked how to attain his beaming happiness, get down on your hindquarters and do the hard yards. That might be the purest answer, but... Even a half an hour a day just being quiet and alone can also produce astounding results. Turn on the music of the 60s or whatever rings your bells and sit and think of nothing else. Walk in the garden or in the park and listen to the trees or the birds in the trees. Take a meditation course. It's very easy. On Sundays, listen to Macca <laughs> and, hear all of, and hear all the other Australians out there. Then get out in the garden. Just do it. We all need to take time every day to allow our minds to have a rest. This should be a normal part of every person's daily regime for health. Time for self, time for mind, is something we dangerously leave aside in our culture and we do it at our own cost. I've raved on enough, says Brownie, but I have to say before I go that you and your show are a very good conduit for spreading the virus. <laughs> and you do it so well every week. Keep on keeping on, mate, says Brownie from the Kimberley, or Thailand, as the case may be. P.S. Retirement is not something I aspire to in any future plans. Whilst I'm able, I'll still be bumping over Kimberley corrugations, changing tyres and hiking up gorges. And then, as the build-up sets in, I'll be back in the remote northern Thailand for the wet. 
Over here I get Sunday lions to tune into Kimberley ABC as I do most mornings and listen to Australia all over. Get on with it, Macca. That's from Brown. It's all very positive and it's great to be positive. You've got to be positive in the face of all the negativity and the nastiness that pervades our political world at the moment and the world generally. Be positive. Or as my friend in Perth says, Gwen, enjoy every day or try to. This is from Nigel and this is sent a long time ago, how people live. Nigel says, Dear Ian, I've enclosed a photo of the view out my kitchen window, which I think is nearly enough reason to live where I live. Beautiful picture, mountains and some snow on the ground. Sometimes in winter, the snowy river valley fills with fog at night and looks magnificent in the morning when the sun rises over the mountains. Gelantopy is my home. It's a volcanic plateau in the mountains on the west side of the snowy river, south of Jindabyne into Victoria, about an hour's drive from the New South Wales border, along the Barry Way. Good rainfall. Some snow falls every winter, sometimes up to half a metre. It's good country for breeding stock and cattle and sheep. Nearest hotel is 50 k's. That's 30 miles away on a winding road. It takes three quarters of an hour to drive there. And that suits me because if I lived too close to the pub, I'd spend too much time at the bar. My mother's family came to this country nearly 150 years ago, so I've got strong ties to this country where I was reared and went to school. Because secondary education is not available and children have to go closer to civilization to get educated... My wife lives in Sale, some 200 k's away, so our children can attend school. I live by myself most of the time. It's a beautiful piece of Australia, and I don't expect to ever leave until I die, said Nigel Hodge 30 years ago. Lovely photo. And that's just one of the letters that came in. I used to get hundreds and hundreds of letters to why I live alone, let alone other letters. And as I said, I still think they're relevant today, how people live. If you'd like to write to Why I Live Where I Live, Post Office Box 9994, Sydney 2001. And that's Why I Live Where I Live for this week. Marco, Danny from Queensland. How are you today? Good, thanks, Danny. Look, uh, great listening to you. I've listened to you for a long time. And you talk to different people doing different trips and things all around Australia. Mm. On, the 20, on the 29th of, Ma- of January, I put a boat in at the Hume Weir and I've been completing the Murray River trip. And I'm currently on day 35. And Tuesday I'll be crossing Lake Alexandrina, so it's been a fascinating trip. Well, I bet it um, has. Completely different than any holiday that anyone's you know that you could ever think of or do of. It's even to plan the people you meet with the people who help you along the way. It's been a fantastic trip. Uh, tell us about the Murray. Firstly, a lot of water in the Murray. How's the how's the weirs been and all that sort of stuff. The Murray River varies on depth quite a lot, and the top end from Aubrey to Yarrawonga was hard work. Um, if I didn't have a prop card on my motor, I think I would have gone through four or five props. Um, so I hit the bottom a lot, hit a lot of stumps and things like that. Um, the lock at Turumbri has got an edge on it, which I actually clipped that as well. <laughs> but um, as you get down deeper and down to the Jura area, it's quite good there. Um, but what? the river, it changes, it changes on every turn. What sort of boat, when you, your boat, what have you got, a dinghy or a, what have you got? It's a 4.6 metre aluminium boat with a top on it, with uh-huh. an outboard motor. And I cruise along at about 10, 12 kilometres an hour. It's not a race, it's just about enjoying the river and uh, seeing the things you see. Snakes swimming across the river, I've seen emus swimming across the river, kangaroos, lizards. Um, the bird life is amazing. Probably the only mistake I made was not taking a, a decent camera with a telephoto lens. Um, I've done a daily Facebook post every day for my family and friends, and oh. I take probably 
40 photos a day, 50 photos a day. But it's just such an unusual and I suppose rewarding thing to do. How long How long have you been on the river? Today is day 35. I'm actually, uh, currently I'm actually in Melbourne. Um, you, you need to wait till wind is under 10 knots to cross Lake Alexandrina, which is where you go from Wellington to Goolwa, the bottom end, because mm. uh, it's quite a treacherous waterway. So I can't cross until Tuesday because of the weather. I got to Murray Bridge yesterday and I quickly flew back to Melbourne uh, last night, I'm in my car and I'll be back in Murray Bridge tonight and I'll continue a trip from Murray Bridge to Wellington tomorrow, then Tuesday, do the final push through to the ocean. So what do you do for a gig, Danny? How can you get uh, a month off or more? Uh, age, age helps. I'm oh, retired. Oh, right. <laughs> I see. Well, well it's, it's actually, uh, I've been gone from home for about two months now from Queensland. Uh-huh. Well, it's... Uh, yeah, it's a great thing to do. I know I've talked to lots of people who've, who've done the Murray in, in all sorts of ways, swum it and, and kayaked it and things like that and just do little bits and meeting people along the... It's the same as anything, Danny, any little trip, you know, but but a bit different to be on the water, I suppose, and, and, and it's a different thing. But as you say, um, what do you see? you see any cod? Did you go fishing or what do you do? Well, this is actually probably the most unusual thing. Everybody you meet go, how's the fishing? I said, I don't fish. <laughs> So, no, I haven't done any fishing. I've just enjoyed the, the river itself, the people you meet, the towns you see, um, the old shearing sheds on the side of a river, just the changing of a river. And uh, I sleep on the bank every night in uh, a stretcher tent or effectively a swag. Wow. Um, yeah, it's just so different than any holiday I've ever done in my life. It's, uh, nothing prepares you for it. That's probably the most interesting thing it's well, that's, uh, I think that's good, Danny. Well, good luck, mate, and good luck crossing uh, Lake Alexandrina. Look out for those big, uh, those big fish that frequent uh, Lake Alexandrina. No worries. Thank you very much. Have a good day, mate. All, all right, mate. Good on you. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.